gather around the lamp and Aston Villa podcast. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. Aston Villa celebrates the pleasure of promotion to the Premier League. Hello and welcome back to the Gather Around the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. As always, I'm Regan, your host. You can find me on Twitter at FindFoy and I'm joined as always by Mark. Hey, what's going on, guys? It is Mark Drib. You can find me at Twitter at VillamarkPGH. Oh, man, we got some, got a little bit to talk about with the Burnley game. We got to talk about Norwich. Got to talk about Wesley. We just got all kind of stuff to talk about today, Regan. Yeah, but f- first, the day that we're recording on, uh, is it the 2nd of October? I need to check now. It is the, oh, my God. It is the 2nd of October. Um, it's a year to the day since Cabbage Gate, the, the fateful uh, falling of the guillotine, if you will, for, for Steve Bruce. Um, probably one of the most iconic moments in recent Villa history. And, uh, you know, what, what what's your fondest memory of that day? Mine's uh, Glenn, Glenn Whelan missing that penalty and eventually sinking the, the Bruce ship. My favourite memory of that, and it's, it's going to be probably a little funnier than most people's, I probably spent... After that game, I probably spent about two hours thinking how a person could get a cabbage into a sporting event in in 2018. That's that's, pro- oh, that's probably what it was, yeah. Yeah, like for sh- for sure, like like some I've I've I don't think I've ever been searched going into Villa Park. Um, some of my friends have, but either way, I still don't think you could ever like get a cabbage in. You know, if you've got a bag, you're going to get searched. There's no way you're shoving that cabbage, a cabbage, especially a cabbage of that size, into your pants or anything. So I, I don't know how it was how it got into the stadium. I just always had this thought, like, did, did they just buy one of those like massive like magician's hats and wore it in, and no one thought anything of it, or was it like I don't know? I, I still to this day, anytime I hear Cabbage Gate, I'm like, man, over, over here in the states, like you got to walk through like certain sets in some places of metal detectors you've got to empty out everything in your pockets and some sometimes they'll make you take your damn shoes off you know like it's a whole thing so like like after cabbage gate i was just like what what how how does that happen like was it thrown like was it thrown from from the street (laughs) into the into villa park and then someone picked it up and was like i'm gonna throw this to steve bruce we end up tanking this game I, i i have no idea it definitely wasn't thrown Unless it was used, like, there was a catapult or a, a trebuchet used, but like no, that makes it a hundred times better. That makes it a hundred times better if they had to use some kind of a launcher to get this up into the upper <laughs> echelons of Villa Park, just in the event that Steve Bruce messed that game up. I, I that that in my mind for the rest of eternity, that's how I'm going to think about that. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's digress back to the current events. Um, Aston Villa played Burnley at Villa Park uh, in a two-all draw in their latest Premier League game. Dean Smith rolled out a, a, a relatively small change to his formation, um, but to no avail really. Villa yet again found a way to to lose the uh, their advantage um, and went went on to just get a point despite being in a winning position twice. Yeah, I, I just. I... 
we'll, we'll get on to how the game actually eventually unfolded. But for me, you, if you have a foothold on the game, especially how we've seen against Burnley here in the first 45 minutes of that contest, you have to keep that going and you have to keep that momentum up. And that's the biggest thing for Villa right now. You can call it a mental lapse. I mean, there's no amount of tactics that you can employ in, in a game of football that's going to stop a mental lapse. And I, I think that's what's going on with Villa. But uh, yeah, we'll get into the game here and see how it all unfolded. Well, yeah, the, the first major talking point was John McGinn, who uh, I guess thought he had his third goal of the season in the 24th minute. Um, Conor Harahan had played the ball into the box from the left for McGinn to, to finish uh, down into the bottom right. But uh, VAR ruled the goal out for Horahan being vaguely offside before playing the ball in. It wasn't one of these armpits. like There was a, a decent difference, but you know the goal would have stood had VAR not been in the Premier League. It it was a pretty fine margin, uh, but I I do think VAR got it right. I do too. I didn't really have a qualms. With it. I mean, obviously, like I'm upset because you know I see John McGinn score and he's in this crazy, crazy otherworldly form right now. And I would love, I obviously everybody that supports Villa would love to see that going on. So I I was a little upset because of the goal was taken away and because it was John McGinn. But after seeing it back and, you know, like I said in previous podcasts, sometimes VAR is going to get it right. Sometimes it's going to be completely absent. You're going to wish it was there to save, save your hide a little bit. Uh, in this instance, VAR got it right. And it, it, you know, it's a little unfortunate for McGinn. It was a beautiful goal. It, it, it was a beautiful, you know, build up to the goal as well. You know, Villa does play some, some pretty nice football in phases. So uh, yeah, it was unfortunate for McGinn, but it was for sure offsides. Yeah, so I think the game slowed down a little bit at this point, um, but it really wasn't for that long. Because only nine minutes later, Anwar Al Ghazi was scoring his uh, second goal of the season to give Villa the lead and the actual lead this time. Um, John McGinn collected the ball in his own half and played like a wonderful crossfield pass to uh, Frederick Gilbert, and uh, Gilbert was in acres of space, legs it down the right hand side. And uh, plays a really nice ball in for Al Ghazi to almost lift over Nick Pope. Um, I think Al Ghazi looked a little bit better on the right hand side of the pitch against Burnley, but I, I still wasn't really happy with how much Al Ghazi contribu- contributed to the game overall. Yeah, and that, that's what's tough for Al Ghazi, really. I mean, he's he's really he's gotten better since he's been at Villa. Even last year, like on a loan capacity, like he he get a little he got a little bit better as far as like tracking marking players but he seems to still just want to be forward 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 and I'm all right with that like he has the skills to be able to do that but in the Premier League it's a little bit more difficult and it's going to be a little bit more obvious to anybody who's like really paying attention to how he's playing so I did think he had a good game on the right I wouldn't be surprised to see him feature there for the next game against Norwich but at the same point in time, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't say that he goes back to the left. So uh, I don't know. I think Dean Smith's just tweaking around with his system. And I think, uh, you know, whether you call it a 4-3-3 or a 4-1-4-1, I think Dean Smith's going to stay with those two options, whether the CDM, uh, the central defensive midfielder drops a little lower or not, or how you get these guys kind of shuffled around a little bit. So um, I, I was happy with Al Ghazi. I mean, it it's always looks better when you score a goal, but I, I'd like him to be a little bit more responsible in, in multiple phases of the game instead of only one or two. I've I've seen a few people um, on Facebook uh, suggesting that he he's played as a second striker, like just off Wesley. Do 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 you reckon that could is something that could work perhaps or? I think so. I think a couple of the wingers that we have would, would look nice as a shadow striker sitting right behind or right to the left or right of a striker. I think if you're going to employ that kind of tactic, it's got to be when you really have to go for broke. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if Dean Smith would really would really 
do the change of formation as far as that. I mean, I didn't think we'd see Jack Grealish out on uh, on a more left position of the pitch. I didn't think that that was going to happen for the rest of the season. I think he was pretty much stuck and rooted to the, the center mid position. But, um, you know, stranger things have happened. And I, I just think that uh, I think Dean's going to get it. It's just a matter a, a matter of, you know, just keep drilling this into his players' heads. And, you know, I do think, though, that he's going to employ different formations due to different teams. Like we saw him play a 4-1-4-1 against Burnley, you know, and they, they have, you know, two – uh, pretty pretty decently informed strikers. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe there'll just be a little bit of a you know tactical switch whenever you're coming up against teams that are informed or taller strikers, faster strikers, things of that nature. I think the decision to move Jack to a wider role worked in our favour. To be fair, I think I think that was his best performance of the season so far. He had so much freedom in the middle of the park, and I do think that he was perhaps a bit too selfish at times. Um, there's one opportunity that springs to mind, and that's when Trezeguet's eight got acres of space on the right hand side, but Jack goes for the shot instead and skies it over the ball. Yeah, I, I mean Jack. Jack is going to do Jack things. Um, I, I just think that I think he's kind of like one of those players that thrives off of being asked things. You know, like he's like he kind of really molded himself into the center mid role because he was asked to be a little bit more defensively responsible. Um, you know, he's being asked to uh, block shots and things of that nature, put in tackles, really track back whenever teams are counterattacking. Um, and we saw that we saw we did see it in the championship last year, but now in the Premier League, it's going to be a lot higher standard that you almost have to do that. It's not like a choice of when you're going to. Um, I thought Jack had a, a really good performance again against Burnley, and yeah, I, I I pretty much agree with you. Probably one of his better if not the best performance we've seen of him since coming back up to the Premier League. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I myself, I saw a couple of fans are like, get him get him off that left-hand side of the pitch. It's not good. We've tried that before. It doesn't work. But, I mean, for you, did, did Jack look out of place? Did he look like he didn't want to play there? No, I, th- I think he enjoyed his game. I think the only issue I had was that he had, uh, I think, oh, I, can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, I think it was four shots, forced Nick Pope into a save with one, and the rest were all over the bar. I do think he's perhaps trying too hard to get that first Premier League goal uh, of this season. Um, but at the same time, I, I can't blame him for that. I can't blame him for it either. And to touch on you know, an opinion that I heard uh, yesterday on the Villa Views podcast, uh, Dan Bardell said, you know, you're seeing Grealish in, in some uh, in some ways when he gets the ball at his feet and he, he's in the final third. Uh, you're watching him pass when you prefer him to shoot. And he's shooting the ball and skying it when you prefer him to like have a pass or maybe look around and see, you know, some of some of his players, you know, making runs. But but I, I think that's any footballer really, especially if you're Jack Grealish and you're gonna be put under a microscope. But um yeah, I, I think Jack had a great performance and I, I think he sticks there. I mean it, it's that's a little unfair to some of the other wingers that we have and some of the other wide men, you know, that, that we've brought in. But I mean, if if you're gonna get that kind of production out of Jack Grealish every single game on the left, I'm I'm all for it. I think it works though because we've got such a, a strong central midfield that if we can accommodate, you know, like like in this game, Nakamba McGinn and Hurahan or Nakamba McGinn and Lansbury or Nakamba McGinn and Douglas Louise, then you know it gives us that added option in the centre of the park and still gives us, you know, the the, the winding mazy runs of Jack. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's a little, uh, I guess, a, a little disappointing with with Hada. You know, we thought he might have been able to be something 
and you know something that was going to help us propel forward and it's he's honestly looking like a rotational option at least to me um and i'm sure dean has the utmost belief in in him and i'm sure that dean wants to utilize him and he will use him going forward but i think as far as starting games if, if jack stays on the left and then on the right you know you have el ghazi and trezeguet backing that up or you know maybe you have to bring um trezeguet on the play the left to sub jack off if something happens if he's knackered things of that nature i mean it's it's really looking like dean smith wants to put all his best players on the pitch at one time and you can't blame him that's just common sense managerial you know know-how uh so that that includes you know that's that has something to do with bringing connor connor Horhane in so i think that um Dean knows that and he's just trying to work around how to get everybody on the pitch and to get everybody working the same thing. I, you know, there was, you know, a couple, you know, Matt Target came in. I thought he played a wonderful game as well. And, you know, especially on that left hand side with, with Jack in front of him. They were playing a little bit of triangles there on the left hand side of the pitch. It was really working well in, in spurts. So, uh, I, I'd look out for that going forward because it seems like Dean Smith has that tri- those triangles working on the left hand side and the right hand side of the pitch. And that it's a positive as far as I was looking at it. Yeah, and Villa took that that slim lead into the dressing room, um, and it, it looked like the team. I, I would say it was our best first half performance, personally, uh, of the season. Um, and at this point, you know, Villa were dominating. They'd they'd made double the amount of passes that that Burnley had. They were enjoying sixty four percent of the possession, um, and the, the, there were some real good individual performances as well, like namely John McGinn. John McGinn was got a lot of plaudits for his, his first half uh, performance. Yeah, I thought he played out of this world, and I think he's getting better and better and better. He's he's really rising to the occasion and playing in the Premier League. I think this means something to him. He want he wants to just do the best he can, whether it be for the club or for his own personal you know ideas of what he's going to do going forward. I, you know that's that's something that nobody knows. But I thought he like head and shoulders above a lot of other players on the pitch, and that's not this to discount anybody. Um, at, at Villa or anybody in the squad, or you know guys are still trying to find their way. Um, it's just he's he's hungry. Uh, the tenacity's there, the determination's there. Um, he, he's he's doing things like uh, you know, slide tackling guys from behind, but actually they're like nice tackles, and he's he's collecting the ball back, and you know for added Villa pressure. So that that first half was probably, uh, I, I would say, one of the better halves of football I've seen from John McGinn. And, and there's been a lot, but that one was that one was up there for me. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, the, the second half we, we didn't come out of the blocks as everyone was kind of expecting and it was Burnley that uh, started on the front foot um, the, the, their first chance came pretty early on and that was from Jeff Hendricks who fired towards goal with um, Tyro Mings getting in getting in the way of that and it, it flew flew over the bar um, and then shortly after there was there was a bit of a, a weird situation um, Wesley was knocked in air quotes, unconscious, uh, by a ball that was kicked directly into his face in the fifty-third minute, and this this was a bit of a concerning period in the game as as Wesley received treatment. But uh, you know what what did you make of that? What do you think he was unconscious? Do you think he was playing on it? Um, I never want to say that a person has the mental ability to fake an injury to the point of being unconscious in, in a sport. Um, I don't want to say that he faked it. I'm gonna, he got hit in the face with a ball. It's, there's no two ways about it. Um, you know, it kicked up and hit him in, in the head and he, he went down. I do think he made a meal of it. It's just concerning to me the, um, the amount of time that it took him to like, I guess, come to his senses and be like, all right, have I, have I won the Emmy yet? 
you know, have I, have I won the award for the, for the best act of the day? And again, he could, he could have been knocked unconscious. I don't know, but I'm um, like with me watching a lot of other more combative, more physical sports. He did not look out to me. Um, it, it was the whole, like the ankles flopping, you know, his left ankle flopping to the left, his right ankle flopping to the right. It was almost cartoonish in nature. And yeah, that happens when you get knocked out. I myself have been knocked out plenty of times. I've been knocked out in hockey. I've, I've gotten knocked out playing basketball before. So like, it, it's not a fun time. And I'm not saying that he faked it. I just think that he made a, a little bit of an act out of it. Um, uh, but that, that's, that goes into the whole other conversation of like, why wasn't he immediately taken off? You know, like it's it's a head injury. We hear all the time about these head injuries and all these different sports and, you know, how, how that affects the brain and get these guys treatment as fast as you can when they have a concussion or something of that nature. So I, I don't know. It's just a weird one for me. I mean, I didn't want to like scream like, you know, get up off the floor. What are you doing? You know, I still had a level of concern. But at the same point in time, as, as, it, as it dragged on, I'm kind of looking at him like. Dude, what the hell are you doing down there? I mean, what, what, how did, what did you feel about it? Do you think it was all a play act or do you think he might actually, you know, been hurt or just dazed or, you know, head, head injuries are no joke? No, it's something I have to applaud uh, is the, the three players that uh, once they, he was, air quotes, unconscious, um, the three players that rushed over to him and put him into the recovery position. And I, I, I really do have to applaud that. I know one of them was Marvellous Nakam, but I can't think of the other two. Uh, I think it might have been Algarzi and, and uh, Gilbert. Uh, but, you know, that, that's something that's so important. And I'm really proud to see that, that you know, uh, our players have been made aware of this kind of thing and that, that they can do things like that should should one of their teammates or the opposition need it. Right. And I mean, they're, they're all human at the end of the day. So to have, you know, players know that this is something you have to get over and you have to do um, very vigilantly. And it has to be something where you're always on your toes about it. And just a quick, quick reaction. Um, I, I come from a family of people who worked first responders, you know, for a while. My dad, you know, used to work, you know, um, on an ambulance. He'd be in the back of the ambulance to load people in. And, you know, he was a volunteer fire chief for many, many years. So for me, like the, the whole first responder thing and having the mind to know, like someone might be in trouble, you need to help them. Even as a small thing, like being on a football pitch and this guy's unconscious, but just being, having the knowledge and, and the mental, uh, the mental knowing of going over and, and trying to help a situation that's huge for me so i i like seeing that as well but uh, you know i i hope Wes, wesley's all right i mean it, it looked bad and you can get a concussion off a glancing blow from a ball it's definitely possible um but yeah i just don't know like i, I was i was just so concerned but in the same point in time I'm like was well, he okay is he not okay like what's going on it, it, it kind of got to the point where it was that middle ground of being like a little scary for me yeah i completely agree with that um and Villa's injury worries, I guess, were, were made worse uh, nine or so, nine to ten minutes later, as uh, Matt, Matt Target picked up a knock and was replaced by Neil Taylor. And things kind of capitulated from there. Uh, six minutes, that, that sounds like I'm laying the blame at uh, Neil Taylor's doorstep, and I'm it, really it does. not. No, it, it, it sounds like you were like, a Neil Taylor came on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn Neil Taylor. <laughs> But no, like I, I, I'm not placing the blame at his doorstep solely. I do think he could have done better for for both of the goals, but I think he's not solely to blame. He's not the one that is entirely at fault. Um, yeah, six minutes later, a bit of confusion between Anwar Al Ghazi and Frederick Gilbert. I do think Gilbert could have done better at this point. He was almost like just like flailing out to try and kick the ball away from. From the Burnley players, and you know, it needed to be a bit stronger in his challenge. But uh, yeah, they allowed Eric Peters to cross the ball, and 
who else was there to head it home but Jay Rodriguez, the former uh, West Bromwich Albion striker. And you know he put his hands to his ears towards the halt end, and it was it was it was definitely a show that he's fully aware of his incident against Villa last season. Yeah, I, I've, I'm kind of mad at myself. The last podcast, I was like, "Hey, you guys better watch out for Jay Rodriguez coming off this bench." And what happened? Jay Rodriguez came off that bench, and you know, g- you know, giving a little big to the Villa fans after he scored a goal. Um, yeah, like you said, back in the build up to to this goal happening, you know, the confusion between El Ghazi and Gilbert wasn't nice to see. I mean, it was to the point where I mean, Gilbert was was running hard. You know, this is now at the the sixty second minute. Gilbert was running hard through through both sets of halves leading up to this point, so he might have been a little gassed out there. But uh, yeah, he just tried to put in this little like toe poke tackle on uh, I think it was Ashley Barnes. I think it was. Um, and, uh, he tried to put a little like toe poke on it and it almost looked like he was fencing. Like it was like he was trying to tackle with his hands and not exactly his feet. And that, that's usually when you see defenders get into trouble when they're making body language that doesn't look like they're an actual footballer. So Al Ghazi tries to come over and help him out a little bit. Ball ends up rolling around, you know, on the ground. It's a little bit of a confusing time, but, um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was a nice cross and a nice headed goal. I'm not happy about the fact that it was Jay Rodriguez, as I've just said, um, but yeah, I, I just I just think that those are the kind of goals that are, that Villa are giving up, like when you don't expect them to. And granted, you know Burnley was pushing; they were pushing it around this time. But like you just don't expect that to like really go in. You expect like one of our two hulking tall center backs to you know get on the end of that or something like that. But yeah, it's unfortunate for Gilbert because he had such a good game. So it's it's tough to see you know a goal get conceded basically from his side of the pitch. Yeah, and it also meant that Anwar Al Ghazi had to be suffered, uh, subbed off, off uh, as, as he kind of like fell into Eric Peters or Ashley Barnes, I can't quite remember, um, and hit his face off one of their outstretched arms. Um, I, I think it was Barnes falling to the ground. Um, and he like came around and it was like a, he was trying, it almost looked like he was trying to like stop himself from hitting the, hitting the floor hard. And he just whipped his fingers around and it looked like maybe a couple of his fingertips drag across El Ghazi's eyes, but he he was down. He looked like he was in some pain. No, I, I think El Ghazi falls into Barnes and I think it like, it's like his, uh, the side of his elbow that he hits. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, I just thought like I saw him holding his eyes. So I thought maybe it was the same kind of thing with, uh. Uh, who's uh, was it Patrick Bamford, the guy from Stoke, where he tried to play it off, like when El Ghazi whipped his hand around. I thought it was like the same thing happened in El Ghazi, but I, I have I haven't had a good look at it to be honest with you. Yeah, I think I think he falls into Barnes, uh, but yeah, that that meant that Trezeguet entered the fray, and Trezeguet made an almost immediate impact. Uh, John McGinn actually found his goal of the game in the 79th minute, and this time, you know. He, he it counted and he, he made sure that uh, everyone knew that it counted uh, Trezeguet got all the way to the line before playing a ball into the back post where the Scot was able to side foot the ball between Nick Pope's legs and into the back of the net and McGinn wheeled away doing a whole VAR television celebration before pointing at the halfway line with a massive smile on his face uh, That that's got to be my that's my favourite moment of this season so far uh, yeah I'm right there with you man like I, I couldn't I I don't think I've screamed that loud for a Villa goal probably since the playoff. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm at the pub that that we usually go to, you know, the Pittsburgh Lions and everything. And like I'm, I, I kind of lost it a little bit, to be honest, like because I just knew how much that meant. And then to see like McGinn roll away with the VAR sign, it was just like, oh, we finally got one. You know what I mean? Like that you can't you can't call that one off. That's a good goal. And um, oh, yeah, I was just so excited for that goal. It, it 
what was a again McGinn had just had an unbelievable performance like this this guy is playing absolutely out of his mind villa supporters are so lucky to have this this man on on their team and you know long may it last i hope he doesn't go anywhere you know what i mean like it, it was it's, it's almost getting into that point of like shit like is someone going to come in with a 75 million dollar bid for john McGinn and is he going to be out the door you know it's like it's you're looking around like he's he's basically like trying all with all his might to, to keep this Villa team at least somewhat buoyant. And he, he just looks so good against various types of opposition too. Like it's not like he's just beaten or like running the field against like Burnley. Like he, he ran the field against Arsenal. He ran the, t- the field against Everton. He had a great game against Tottenham, obviously. Like this is, it's starting to get a little worrisome of like, is John McGinn going to stick around? But I got some pretty good faith that Jack can keep him here. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. You know, he signed a new contract at the start of the season and it, I would like to think that that Perslow's at least put a, a pretty hefty release clause in the bit like the I, Jack contract. I think it's just that old-fashioned Aston Villa um, anxiety, you know, like we saw it happen with Delph and we saw it happen with you know Ashley Young. So I think it's just me, like, oh, this guy's this guy's different gravy. Is this gonna? what's going to happen you know obviously different regimes there's a lot of different situational stuff but i think it's just like it's almost like ptsd for how villa used to be <laughs> and i'm still thinking like all these players that are good like who's going to come in and steal our players and we're not going to be able to do anything about it yeah um but the the the, the joyous moment of mcginn's goal didn't didn't really last very long did it no, um, what 36 but- seconds Burnley quickly marched down the field and levelled the game. Uh, it was a cross that found Chris Wood, and he rose the highest, uh, headed past a, r- a rooted Tom Heaton. And you know it was so frustrating to to give up the goal immediately after taking the lead. Burnley basically did to us what we did to Arsenal. Yeah, I was I was beside myself when uh just watching i th- i just i honestly think it was a mental lapse i think villa restarted that playing way too narrow i don't think their heads were in the game again like i said earlier there there's not a there's not any tactic in the world that that can stop a mental lapse none you can't you can't do it like it just it comes down to personal lapses and unfortunately for villa it looked like they had four or five players that were just sleeping on the play um yeah and it's it's just not something you ever really want to see uh yeah so that that goal goes in and you know bartender i'm good friends with brian at the pub he immediately looks at me and he goes whiskey time and i said yep it's about whiskey time <laughs> I, I don't blame you if i'm honest um but there's there's two players really i want to i want to kind of ask you about and ask you about their performances um the first of these is marvelous nakamba how, how do you think he really got on in his in his third consecutive premier league game i think you know he, he had a, he did have a dominating performance for me, and I named him as as our man of the match. Yeah, I, I was there with you. I um I I think that he had a really good game, and he's he's had consecutive really good games. You know, this is is his third one, like you said. Um, I think he's getting a lot better every game. Not even just like like minimally, like we're seeing with maybe like Trezeguet. Like Trezeguet is getting better, but he's getting better at like a more slow incline. I think Marvelous Nakamba's really grown into it, and it, it is unfortunate for Douglas Luiz. It is unfortunate for Conor Horahan if he, if he happens to stay there. But Marvelous is doing like all the things that Aston Villa has been missing for so long. Like just basically have somebody back there that they're, they're swift on the ball. They're able to, you know, almost kind of see 
where how the plays like coming at him. His passing's immaculate too. Like I did not think that this man was that great of a passer when he came to Villa. Like even looking up his um his highlights and so, some of the stuff, and not just like YouTube, like actually using like different scouting programs and stuff to like look at videos and full matches of him. I, like you could see that the passing uh, acumen was there, but to see it at Villa and to see it in the Premier League, like he's spraying balls all over the pitch, and like he's still being responsible in the center of the pitch. His heat map through three games looks like someone just set a piece of paper on fire. He's everywhere in the midfield areas. So I think he's. I think it's going to take a hell of a lot to shake him out of that spot that he has right now. He, I, I would go as far to call him the Zimbabwean Glenn, uh, Glenn Whelan. Oh, uh, you know what? I love that. I do. I, I love that. I think that's what we're going to start calling the Zimbabwean Glenn Whelan. And that's the name of this podcast. <laughs> um, and the, the second player I kind of want to talk about is Wesley. Um, I, I think he, without mincing my words, I think he was useless in that game. Um, I think he made six passes. He didn't have any shots on target. It wasn't his best game in a Villa shirt. And, you know, Co- Jonathan Codgers returning from injury, uh, featuring a really cool face mask. Um, and and Keena Davis is also pushing Wesley for that, for that starting spot. Do, do you think that Wesley starts against Norwich or do you think it's a case of giving D- uh, Davis or Codger a chance? Man, I, I hate to say it, but if uh, if you, I think if you really wanted to kickstart Wesley... Uh, you 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 have you have him on the bench for this game against Norwich, and it'll probably be Keenan Keenan Davis poor to be Codge just because Codge is coming back from an injury. But I think that that gives Wesley almost a full two weeks to think about how he got dropped. You know what I mean? Like I just think he needs to stew on that a little bit. Um, it's not going to be the most popular opinion. But I think that it needs to happen. Sometimes you have to prove you have to make a point as a manager. It's not fun. But sometimes you have to do it. You're not there to make friends. You're, you're there to have a winning football culture and a winning football team. So for me, with how bad Wesley was against Burnley, he's got to step. He's got to step aside for a minute. Step aside. Slow it down. You got. You got to figure out a way to complete more than six passes in a game. You're a striker. You're a big body striker. You're strong. Albeit he's young. You know, new country, new teammates. Believe me, I'm giving him all the passes in the world on those fronts. In, in the world. But I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm not I'm not the smallest guy you've ever seen in your life, and I'm pretty sure I can make more than six passes from a striker position. <clears throat> and it, it's it's just so frustrating to watch because you can see you can see the small glances that he that that he could turn into something special. Again, he's so young; you don't know what's going to happen. But it, like just like you said, use the perfect word. Him against Burnley, he was absolutely useless, and you, you can't put, you can't put it any other way. It's it's just it's tough to see. Uh, it's not Aston Villa football. It's not Dean Smith football. There's something going on there, and I think it's a little bit worrisome. But if yeah, if I was in the shoes of Dean Smith and, and, and you know I was I was the one going into that office every morning, I'd give a serious serious look to starting Keenan Davis over Wesley this coming weekend against Norwich. Especially when you've you've got to look at the I think it was Keenan Davis's first start for Villa, and that came against Norwich, and look how he had an absolutely domineering game. Yeah, I think that Keenan can, and the the big knock on Keenan is his finishing. No one talks bad about Keenan for his hold up play. No one talks bad about him, you know, being able to, you know, push a line forward and make some uh, make some room for his wide men, or maybe like a John McGinn who's pushing late, you know, maybe a late arrival up the pitch, you know, from a deep position and cutting straight to, toward the middle. I think Keenan Davis will be okay. He just, you know, and maybe he is getting better at finishing, but we haven't been afforded to see that yet. And yeah, you can say, you know, he played against uh, Brighton in the cup, and you know, he threw some chances over over the net and things of that nature. I get it. Believe me I, you know I get frustrated with Keenan and his lack of finishing that we've seen so far as well but I, again I just think it works all around you give Keenan the shot that he's been working for 
you you basically send a message to Wesley like you got to pick it up or you're not going to be you're not going to be starting. Uh, I, I think to, to get those two t- things rolling into the international break, and then you have you know a, a large majority of the players that are going to stick around through the international break and be at training. I just think that's a big thing. So I I don't know. Do you start Keenan or do you start Kaj? Who, who do you, if if Wesley gets dropped, who would you rather see up there? I think it, to be fair, you'd have to put Keenan there. But I just really want to see Kodja get a full 90 in the Premier League, if I'm honest. He played for, what, 16 minutes against Spurs, and then he's been injured since. Um, I'd really like to see this 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 Kodja that can do so well in the Premier League, as Dean Smith referred to him as. And I really want to see Kodja wearing a face mask as well, so... Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for the face mask whenever a, a player has a facial injury. I, I love to see it. And I like to see – I saw a guy wearing one in the German League about two years ago, and it was like that really nice – Um, it was like a, almost like gunmetal. It was like real shiny and like almost looked like it was like a hat, like a uh, like a bandito type mask. <laughs> I really love that, man. Like I don't know why. I don't know why I'm so drawn to that. I don't know if it's like the like old comic book nerd in me or something like that, where I just think that it has like it almost is like oh man, it's like a superhero or like a supervillain in that in the case of Kaj. So I don't know, man. I, I, whether it's Keenan or whether it's Kaj, um, I, I just think that it's time for Wesley to take a seat, especially having a break. Let give him give him a you know a week and a half, almost two weeks to think about what he wants to do here at Aston Villa. I know he's young and everything, but I don't know. I just think he needs some time to, needs some time to think. Yeah, fair enough. Um, moving away from the men's side for just a minute before we preview the Norwich game, uh, I had the I had the pleasure of speaking with uh, Aston Villa women's Jodie Hutton uh, about a load of topics, uh, but mainly her road to recovery from her ankle injury that she suffered in pre-season. Uh, you can read the entire article by myself over at underagastatlamp.com. And really, it's quite interesting to, to listen to, well, to for you, it'll be to read, um, about Hutton's injury. You know, it's the first major injury that she's been sidelined with. And at only 18 years old, it's been quite difficult for her to to experience this. And she, she, you know, she spoke about how difficult it was being absent from training. Uh, but she also spoke about the support she's received from her teammates and her coaches, and uh, you know, there's little things, there's feel good factors about the story as well. I, I, I'm quite proud of that piece. Um, but do you reckon Hutton could be a key part of this season, or do you think she's going to have to work her way into the squad again after the, you know, the the massive. Uh, well, the mass of incomings over the over the summer. I think it's going to be a little tough for it to break into this squad, like just coming back and be like, okay, my ankle's fine. You can put me back on the team sheet. I, I don't think it's going to be like that for Jody Hutton. I think it's going to be more so that um, she's young. Uh, it was an ankle ligament injury, which is always difficult for any any athlete to deal with. So I don't think they want to rush her back and maybe she re-aggravates that injury or anything like that. Um, you know, that's not her physios, her doctors that are surround her, but I just know that like the ankles and the ligaments are, are very, the, the way that it actually like sets up in your ankle, like you could, um, just literally take a misstep as you're recovering from ligament damage and you're right back where you started. Um, I don't think that Villa or Jenna Davies is going to risk her with how well the team is in form right now. 
Um, so I think it's it's going to be a thing that where she gets cleared by the doctors and then she's like on the bench, bring her on for 30 minutes. Next game, she's on the bench again, bring her on for 35. You know, next, maybe we'll give her a start. You know, I think it's going to be a slow, um, a slow reintroduction into that team, uh, regardless of who they signed or anything. I, I think she does have a part to play. Uh, you know, she's loved and revered by the Aston Villa women supporters. So I, I, I think she will make it back. I just don't think it's like right back in, right back into the starting 11. Ankles are a very, very weird, uh, like anatomical anatomical part of the human body so you can't really be messing with them too bad yeah i mean i don't i don't think she'll be thrust upon it i think depending when when her like you know date comeback is i think she might get a start in the cup maybe but uh other than that yeah if you are interested in it please do go over to underagaslitlamp.com and give it a read yeah i I, I second that as well like everybody listen it's a really really good write by regan i mean it's not just saying that because you know it's one of my buddies it really is a good write. so head over to the site check it out it's 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 really good thank you yeah villa play norwich before the international break away at carrow road um and the, the canaries currently sit 17th in the in the Premier League table and they only have a point more than Aston Villa obviously they're only a position ahead uh, the more you think about it the more I don't think this, this is probably our biggest game of the season to this point and it, it's probably Norwich's as well um, and it's obvious that their danger man is Timu Puki but they've got considerable talent in the rest of their squad like Buendia um Campwell, they've got some great holding midfielders, some great defenders, but they also have 10 injuries or maybe more to deal with ahead of this game. Uh, what, what, what do you reckon we're going to be seeing from this, this game? Well, you're talking about the importance of the game, and I don't think that anybody can um, play down how important this is. You have two relegation candidates. You know, that's what everybody was talking about for the beginning of the season. And, you know, I know that those words hurt if you're a Villa supporter, but that it is what it is. You know, a lot of people don't think Villa can stay up. All right. So that gives you motivation to kick on. Now they're playing against Norwich, who's also for a, a whole ton of people, also a relegation, uh, you know, candidate. So you're talking about, Playing against the teams, these are the teams you have to get three points from. And yes, it's just as important in Norwich as it is to Villa. But for Villa, I think that it's you got to start climbing the table in your own way. And we all know we have to stop stop throwing leads away. We need goals from up top and the forward, you know, in the striker positions and things like that. But I think this game has the ability to get a little bit scrappy because. Again, both clubs know how important this is. I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a five to eight yellow card game combined for the two teams. I, it just looks like that to me. It looks like these teams are going to scrap it out. And again, like you said, Norwich isn't the, isn't the healthiest team, uh, you know, in the Premier League right now. And there are other players other than Team Mupuki who know how to play football and know how to play football well. Um, it, I, I just think that it for me, it's Puki against Mingles. And I hate to say that, but I, I really think that that's like where, where you're going to have to see things. And it's not even like there's just so much going on with Norwich and Daniel Farker and how he has those guys playing. And I, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be scrappy? Do you think it's going to be like a dogfight back and forth counterattacking thing? I, I, just, I just don't I don't know what to really think about how it's going to go, because like Villa seems to be able to almost play their way. And then 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 they fall apart. So I, I don't I don't know what to really expect from the Norwich game. I think it will be scrappy. I think Norwich are in a bit of a free fall um, since they beat Man City. Um, granted, it's only been, what, two games? But 
maybe even one. I can't even. I'm losing track of time. Um, no, it's two games. No, you're right. It's two games. But you know, I I don't want to like just place that as like our sole reason why Aston Villa can get a result from this game. Um, so I think really it's going to be a pretty scrappy affair. I think it's going to look like a championship game. You know, for all intents and purposes, these are two Premier League clubs, but they were both playing in the Championship last season, and they both played pretty progressive football. But I think it's going to look like a Championship game, and it's going to be a long one to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about the midfield battle as well. Battle as well with Mandaya. Um, he's got four assists in seven matches, and he's only boasted a six point seven five average match rating. But I mean, it's it's four assists. So let's see if our midfield is able to like keep track of him with how with Jama getting forward, and you know that it's basically like Nakamba versus Mandaya, and I'm I'm okay with that. Like, I, if if that's the battle that's going to happen in the midfield areas, you know, with uh with Villa defending what they can bring, I think that that's a pretty good pretty good player to have uh, watching your back line a little bit. Yeah, um, I think for me, we're going to see the same lineup that we did against Burnley, bar um, Wesley. I think I think Wesley will be dropped. I'd be okay with that. I, I have no problems with that. I, I saw a couple of people asking for Douglas Louise to come in, and I guess there's, you know, there's still everybody's a little in the dark about what, what are the actual clauses in his contract as far as playing a certain amount of games and then, you know, the release clause on top of it. But, um, I, I, I think you gotta, you gotta keep it, it like, and I, I agree with you that Wesley, Wesley's got to get dropped for me. I, I just think you, you, you tried it and it, it didn't, it didn't, it's not working right now. And again, I just think sending him a message by placing him on the bench. I, I think that might, something might click that might wake him up. That might be the smack across the face that he might actually need. Yeah, um, but other than that, really, I think that that's about it. But we've we've got a bit of filler um, for the end of this podcast. Um, obviously, after the Norwich game, it's the international break, and both of us are going away on holiday, so there will not be an episode next week. Uh, I'm off to Berlin. I, I should have planned it a bit better. Uh, I could have gone on and seen uh, a, a Union Berlin or a Hertha Berlin game, but no, it's the international break. I think Mark's off to uh, Washington. Yeah, I'm off to Washington, D.C. with my buddy Jordan. Uh, we're going down to check out uh, the band Idols. Uh, obviously, a lot of our U.K. following will know uh, what they're all about. But, uh, yeah, it's like one of my favorite bands over the past couple of months. I'm really excited to see them. I didn't think I'd actually be able to go to Washington. And Jordan surprised me with, oh, hey, I'm going. You want to ride down? And we'll go sightseeing down in D.C. and stuff. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, about two or three days of drunken music and sightseeing and a whole bunch of fun I'm, I'm really excited for it it'd be nice to have a little break yeah for sure and obviously we'll still find the time to you know post articles uh, we'll be tweeting etc etc um but yeah it's just to let you know that there's there's going to be no podcast next week um i've been putting the feelers out there a little bit in in regards to merchandise um i'm currently in discussion with a company regarding potential football style shirts um so if you are interested in that it'd be good to hear it you know send us a message uh beneath our you know our announcement post for this podcast on twitter or on facebook or just send us a dm if you'd rather not it not be public uh, it'd be good to get a gauge of the, the kind of interest surrounding those yeah and like the the companies that me and Regan are talking to and looking at and stuff like that, they make some really quality stuff. 
Um, you know, we've, we've got a couple surprises for it uh, coming down the pipeline if, if there is sufficient interest. Uh, if not, me and Regan will just buy them for me and him, and, we, you know, we'll take pictures of them. And then, you know, to make everybody jealous, uh, we got these cool kits and you guys don't have anything. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, um, if you have any interest at all, just let myself uh, or Regan or, you know, the, the Twitter page at Villa Lamp know about it. Um, we, we got some really cool concepts, really good ideas of mine. And, you know, um, you know, we're talking all kinds of different avenues and ways to do things, kind of freshen up old looks and stuff like that. Obviously, it'll be Villa Colors. Someone asked me like, oh, you should, you know, do one for, you know, black and gold because you're in Pittsburgh. I'm like, nah, I'm all right. I want to I want to stick with the, the Villa Colors and stuff like that. So, yeah, just let us know if you have any type of interest in that. It would, it would be really cool to get a get a gauge back on that. Yeah, and before we uh, we head off at the end of this podcast, we're going to try and do something a little bit different at the end of each podcast and probably try and showcase our personalities a little bit more. Um, so each week uh, we're going to pick a, a song that, that's been you know replayed or overplayed by ourselves uh, over the last week, um, and then we'll post it below the uh, announcement post for this podcast on Twitter as a poll and you guys can vote to see which one you enjoy more uh, or which one you think is a better song or whatever. So what have you picked this week, Mark? I found this band from actually, I think it was you and my other buddy, Matt, uh, that lives over in England. Um, uh, Fontaine's DC, they're an Irish band and they have a song called The Lots. I cannot stop listening to this band. I, I, I don't, I don't know why. I, I think it's because they kind of have a sound that's like a late eighties kind of thing. Uh, the guitar riffs are really nice. They do some inventive stuff there, but it still has a modern sound to it. So yeah, I mean, check it out. I, I really like this band's sound. I, th- I think they're really cool and like they're, they're good music when you're on the go. Um, it, I don't know. I, I get a little, a little burst of energy listening to Fontaine's DC. So yeah, I hope, I hope you guys check it out. I hope you like it a lot. And I'm going to go with a, an artist called Tones and I and a song by her called Never Seen the Rain. Um, for me, it's it's like the perfect blend. The lyrics are quite sad, but it's such an upbeat song. Um, and I can't I can't really describe how it ma- it makes me feel really. So it's probably best to uh, put put the link in the poll for both of these songs, and you can give it a listen and decide who who gets the uh, who gets the W and who gets the L this uh, this week. But uh, other than that, thank you ever so much for listening. As always, uh, we really do appreciate it. If you have enjoyed it, please give us a a like, a subscribe, a rate on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, We always appreciate feedback on social media. You know, it allows other people to find out about the work that we're doing. Um, You know, if, if you have enjoyed this podcast and you've not heard of us before or you don't follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter. Uh, at Villa Lamp on Facebook forward slash under a gaslit lamp on Instagram at under a gaslit lamp and you can view all of our content on www.underagaslitlamp.com thanks again for listening and up the villa <laughs>